0: Not like Pastor Hummel's been with you all these years, but in my day, as I was growing up, every three or four years, we got a new preacher. But they all dressed like this. Everyone that I knew in my growing years wore a robe and the vestments. Now, I'm telling you that because when I was the age of the children, I thought, I thought, that those guys who dressed like this knew everything there was to know about God and about life. Boy, was I wrong. (laughs) There is much I do not know. Just because I have granted the right to wear the clergy vestments doesn't mean that I'm any different Than you are. There are things I do not know. Now understand. There are things I do know. I know that I have been justified. That's the fancy word. And we use a lot of different words for that. We call it being born again. We call it being redeemed. We call it being reconciled. All I know is that in my life. God has forgiven me. And God has made me one of his children. I know that. I also know that I am striving to be sanctified. That means I'm trying to grow, to to understand God more, even at this stage in my life. I feel I, I am being sanctified, I know that. But there are so many things I don't understand. You sang that song about the reckless love of God. I don't know, I don't understand why God loves me. I don't understand why God loves you, because you do atrocious things sometimes. (laughs) I don't understand that kind of love. It's hard for me to love someone who rejects me, hard for me to love someone who goes against everything I believe. But God does that all the time. People reject God. People go against what God stands for and what he calls them to be. And yet he still loves them. That's hard for me to understand. (laughs) See, I could make quite a list of people that I have difficulty loving. I have difficulty loving people who... Maybe let their children suffer because they have spent all their paycheck either on drugs or alcohol. I have trouble loving them. I have trouble loving, as we call them in our time, militants. Anyone who will take another person's life even for their their cause, as they say. I don't understand doing harm to another human being for such a reason. I have trouble loving them. And I've told you this before, but I have trouble loving anyone who's on the Jerry Springer show. (laughs) I don't understand people who, who go on national television to talk about their deviant lifestyles. I don't understand that and I have trouble loving them. Yeah, and if I admit it, I have trouble loving anyone who doesn't treat me nice. But God does it all the time. God loves those people. And I don't understand that. I know that God changes lives. But I don't understand. I don't know exactly how it happens. And why some lives are changed and, and some lives aren't. John Wesley was a priest in the Anglican Church, the Church of England. And he did have an experience where he offered his life to God. And John Wesley knew all the religious stuff. He had a great mother. Historians of John Wesley say that Susanna, his mom, had a tremendous impact on his life. John was one of 19 children. Every week, Susanna spent at least two hours in religious instruction with every one of those 19 children. Privately. Individually. Well, you say, well, that's not that many hours. Well, you do put that in with everything else you had to do with 19 children. It's pretty remarkable. She was a, tremendous woman John John knew what the doctrine of the church was but he was a man desperately desperately seeking an assurance of his salvation at one point in his life John came as a missionary to Georgia here in this country on the trip over There was a time on the ship he was on that they came to a, were in the midst of a great storm. Everyone, even the most seasoned sailors on that ship, were frightened, except for a group of Moravians who were on that ship. They got together, John later wrote, and they seemed so calm and assured. They, They prayed and they sang hymns. John was impressed with them. When he got to Georgia, John met a Moravian named Augustus Spannenberg. And Augustus asked John one one day, does the Spirit of God bear witness with your spirit that you are a child of God? You have to follow that language. They talked funny back then. But that's what he asked him. Does the Spirit of God bear witness with your spirit that you are a child of God? Wesley's response was, I know that he is savior of the world. To which then Spannenberg said, But do you know that he has saved you? And Wesley answered, I do. But later, John, John was a great journaler. He wrote every day, and in his journal, I, he wrote, I fear that they were vain words. When John returned home, returned to England, he visited his brother Charles, who was sick with pleurisy. And Charles told him about an experience that Charles, John's brother, had had himself, an assurance of God's love and felt that no matter what happened with his illness, everything was going to be all right. That was the kind of assurance that John Wesley wanted but had not yet received, not until May 24th, 1738, on Aldersgate Street in London. That's where you get, if you ever see, an Aldersgate United Methodist Church. It is from the experience that John had on that street. They were studying the book of Romans, the prologue to the book of Romans, actually, and John later read, or wrote, I felt my heart strangely warm. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for my salvation, and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sin, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. Wesley did not totally understand where that strange warming came from, but he rejoiced in it. And that's where I am. I rejoice in the forgiveness, the new life that God has given me. I don't totally understand it. But I rejoice in it. I don't understand everything. I don't understand why life has to be so hard sometimes for some people. I don't understand why tragedies come to us tragedies we may not think we deserved at all. And I don't understand. And I want to be able to deal with it when they do come. I don't understand how some people can do that. it seems so easily, while others can't. A man named John Sherrill tells about a friend he had. This friend's name was Steve. Now, I just want to read a couple paragraphs that John Sherrill wrote. When Steve was 20, a fall left him with permanent brain damage. After months in a coma and more months relearning to walk and speak, he came to live in our town. That's where I met him when he joined our church. Today, Steve lives in a group home and works collecting carts, at a local supermarket. I love my job, Steve told me one rainy morning when I would offered to drive him to work. I like the people. I like helping them unload their carts. I have everything I need. I, I love my own room, my food, clothes, the church I like, and the chance to meet someone new every day. Too bad, though, I said, looking out at the downpour as we approached the employee entrance. Too bad that you have to go outside on a day like this. Oh, no, Steve corrected me. They give you stuff to wear when it's bad outside. Listen, you ought to hear the sound of rain on my poncho. That just warms my heart. You ought to hear the sound of rain on my poncho. How Steve could take the difficulty of his life and find the good in it. I don't understand how some people can do that. You see, I know and I have experienced the tragedies sometimes push some people away from God, but sometimes they are pulled closer to God as it was for this man named Steve. I I believe, I believe in my head, the scriptural affirmation, all things work together for good for them that love God. But I don't know how that works. I only know that they do when we don't give up on God and give up on ourselves and give up on the effort to be the best people we can be. Sometimes I certainly wish for all of us that life was easy. But it isn't. But I know that great difficulty does build great character. Years ago, a man who I had great respect for gave me something like that. Now this isn't a picture of it, but he gave me uh, this box that had some cocoons on it, green cocoons, crystallizes, He said, watch them for a while, which I did. And you see those stages, eventually the green cocoon turns dark and eventually it'll start to crack and a butterfly will emerge. It was a great experience watching that happen over days. But I once read about a man who had that same kind of experience. That is, he had the crystal, he was watching it develop And then the butterfly started to struggle to come out of that cocoon. It seemed like such a difficult struggle for him. So the man wanting to help took a knife and cut the end of the cocoon to make it easier for the butterfly to emerge. But when the butterfly emerged more easily, it could not fly. And he wrote the struggle, though somewhat painful experience, was a necessary and vital part of the creature's development. It's kind of the same thing that Paul wrote in the book of Romans. But we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. I don't know. I don't understand, but our suffering does make us stronger. I do know one thing, that when you suffer something and then you come in contact with someone who's suffering the same kind of thing, you can be a help to them. I know that suffering does that. Our suffering permits us to be helpful to others who are suffering. There's so much I don't understand. I trust that Jesus will take me into his presence at some point, but I don't know how, and I don't know when. See, I'm being honest with you. I've never been one who was terribly interested in predictions about the second coming of Christ. I know there are some people who love to study that. I never have been one. Because see, even if somehow you could prove to me that every prediction in the scripture about when Christ is going to return has been fulfilled, that doesn't mean anything. A thousand years in God's sight are as a twinkling of an eye. Time means a lot to us. It doesn't mean anything to God. You know, he's an eternal being. So I'm not one who gets terribly wrapped up in whether Christ is going to return in a year or two years, three days. I don't know, but I do know this with certainty. I know either Christ is going to return or I'm going to die. One of those two things is going to happen. And I only know that as a Christian, I seem, simply need to live my life as best I can so that when one of those two things happen, I am leaving the rest to God. There is much I do not know, but I do know my Lord. I do know who he is in my life. I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. See, I'm just like you, or you're just like me. I'm sure there is much about life that you don't understand. I'm sure there is much about life that you just do not know. But you can know who holds your life. You can know that. Would you bow with me? Father God, I pray that you would help us to know what we can know. There is much for all of us that is beyond our comprehension. Much about this world, about your creation, about life that comes to us that that we find difficult in understanding. But we can know who holds our tomorrows. We can know that in Christ alone, we have life and the victories of life. May you help us. Amen.